0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. That means we all qualify. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings an example from Scripture.
1: We don't see the potential in our lives that God sees. We see a lump of clay. God sees a beautiful vase. We see a piece of coal. God sees a refined diamond. We see problems. God sees solutions. We see an end. God sees a new beginning. This is the day when the lost are found.
0: Looked at the social media posts of a friend and thought, "Wow, they live a pretty good life." Someone's pointed out that we should never compare somebody else's highlight reel to our blooper reel. We live out our blooper reel every day with the fumbles and the blunders and the goof-ups. But today, on a new beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that God sees beyond the bloopers to the future. Today, a good example of how God can rewrite our story.
1: I don't know if you read that story that was in the news about a man who had a hippo as his pet. He lived in South Africa, and this man named the hippo Humphrey, and he adopted him when he was a little calf. And according to this man, uh, this 2,000 pound beast was like his pet. He would ride it after it got a little bit bigger. He would play with them. He would even brush its teeth, which seems to be a daunting task. I think that would take a pretty large toothbrush. And the owner said, quote, he's like a son to me. And then he went on to say, people think you can only have a relationship with dogs and cats and other domestic animals, but I have a relationship with the most dangerous animal in Africa, end quote. I think you can imagine how the story ended. I'm sorry to say that Humphrey the hippo turned on its owner and tragically mauled and killed him. That's because hippos are not good pets because they're dangerous. I remember years ago I was in Africa And uh, I stayed in a little tented camp, and they warned me at night: be careful of the hippos. And I'm thinking, the hippos? Why would I have to worry about hippos? Oh, they're out running around at night, and they attack and kill people. And they told me more people are killed by hippos than lions in Africa. I could hardly believe it. And sure enough, that night I heard some noise outside of my tent, and I opened up the little flap and looked out, and there was a hippo. And those things move fast on land, so. I don't think that the owner realized that Humphrey was a hungry hippo and he would strike. Why do I tell this story? Because in the same way, sometimes we may think that, well, this sin in my life, I have control of it. It's like a little pet. I'm always gonna be able to not be overtaken by it. I'm sure when Humphrey was smallish, I don't know if he was ever all that small, but when he was smaller at least, that his owner never thought he would get as big and aggressive as he became. And we think the same thing about sin. It'll never overtake me, and one day it does. We have a story before us now in the Bible of a man who was overtaken by sin. A man who probably never realized that one thing would lead to another, and through five steps he fell away from the Lord. And this man was a full-fledged apostle of Jesus Christ, and his name is known to all of us. I want to tell the story of Simon Peter and his fall and his restoration, hence the title A Second Chance in Life. Of course, Jesus gave to Simon his given name a title. He said, from this point on, you're going to be called Peter, which means rock. Now, I think the other disciples might have had a little bit of a chuckle at that moment because they're thinking, okay, there's a lot of things we could say about Simon where well, we had not describe him as a rock. He was sort of unstable at times and vacillating and impulsive, almost the opposite of a rock. But Jesus gave him a name that he knew Simon would grow into with time. In the same way, We don't see the potential in our lives that God sees. We see a lump of clay. God sees a beautiful vase or vase. Uh, We see a blank canvas. God sees a finished painting. We see a piece of coal. God sees a refined diamond. We see problems. God sees solutions. We see failure. God sees potential. We see an end and God sees a new beginning. And so Peter was gonna have a fall and Jesus told him he was gonna have a fall. And maybe some of you have fallen spiritually in the last few months or in the last year. But listen, the past cannot be changed, but our response to it can be because God can take our endings and turn them into beginnings. Let me say that again because I know I'm talking to somebody right now that has made a mess of their life. I want you to know this. God can take your ending and He can turn it into a beginning. So sort of to pick up where we last left off in the Gospel of Mark. We're in the upper room. Jesus is having His final meal, the Last Supper, with His disciples. And He has revealed that one of the apostles is going to betray Him. To a man they say, is it me, Lord? Is it me? And at that moment, Judas Iscariot was dipping his bread at the same time that Christ was and Jesus identified the betrayer and he said to Judas, whatever you do, do it quickly. The Bible says at that moment, Satan entered Judas's heart. And so Judas goes out now to betray our Lord for 30 pieces of silver. And now we see what happened to Peter as this was all unfolding. Look with me, if you will, at Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 27. And by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. On the way Jesus told them, all of you will desert me for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised from the dead, I'll go ahead before you into Galilee and I'll meet you there. Peter said, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, well, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others doubt the same. Now Luke's gospel gives us a few more details about this conversation. Jesus turns to Peter and says this, Simon, Simon. Satan has been asking for you that you would be taken out of the care and protection of God. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, you need to strengthen your brothers. Can you imagine Jesus saying something like that to you? I mean, he's hanging out. And Jesus turns to you and says your name twice and says, Satan has been asking that you would be taken out of the care and protection of God. I wonder if he just paused for effect. What, Satan? Satan himself has been asking for me by name? He's been asking for you. But then he has these words, these reassuring words, but I have prayed for you. Listen to this. The devil can do nothing in the life of the child of God without our Father's permission. Let me say that again. The devil can do nothing in our lives without our Father's permission and God will never allow us to be tempted above our capacity to resist. Uh, First Corinthians 10.13, a verse I memorized as a teenager and I still remember. It says, God will not allow you to be tempted above your capacity to resist, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Know this. Temptation can be resisted. Every temptation is an opportunity to run to God. And there is a blessing promised to the man or the woman that resists temptation. Over in James 1.12 it says, happy is the person who endures temptation. For when they are tried they'll receive a crown of life. So don't tell me you can't overcome your temptation. Don't tell me you can't stop drinking. Don't tell me you can't stop looking at porn. Don't tell me you can't stop turning to drugs time and time again. The question is do you really wanna be free from that stuff? Jesus asked a man who had been disabled for his whole life this question. Do you want to be made whole? (laughs) What kind of question is that to ask a man that obviously doesn't like the state he's in? It's a very good question. Because not every person wants to be made whole. Not every person wants to be delivered from drugs. Not every person wants to change the life that they're living. So it's a question we need to ask. Do I really want to change? Don't tell me you're being tempted above your capacity to resist because with every one of those temptations there was always a way out. Wasn't there. <laughs> it's usually that first bite that gets us into trouble. I don't know about you, but when we go out to a restaurant, you know, we'd be done and someone would say, do you want to get dessert? No, no, nobody wants dessert. And then the server comes, can I tempt you with the dessert? And they even use the word tempt. And their voice even sounds like that for some reason. Tempt you. And someone says, okay, we'll have one dessert with five forks. All right. So the dessert arrives and I say, I don't even want any of that dessert. And everybody's digging in. And then I decide to take one little bite And the moment I take that first bite, I'm like a shark smelling blood in the water. I go into a feeding frenzy. And so it's good for me to not take the first bite. It's good for all of us to not take the first look or play around with that thing or think we can conquer it like that guy with Humphrey the hippo. Uh, We need to keep our distance.
0: To a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. And today he's presenting a message called A Second Chance in Life. It's from Mark chapter 14.
1: God has put a hedge of protection around every believer. In the story of Job, uh, which is the oldest book of the Bible, uh, the devil comes to God and wants to have a time of bringing difficulty into the life of God's servant named Job, and uh, the devil says correctly of Job, have you not put a hedge of protection around him? And yes, it is true, the Lord allowed a series of hardships to befall his servant, but in the end, God blessed Job in a wonderful and powerful way. My point is, there is protection in our life, and there's always a way out of every temptation. And when the Lord lets us go through times of trial, and allows us to be tempted, it's for a purpose. He's trying to make us stronger. But remember, Jesus is praying for you. Every now and then people will come up to me and say, you know, we pray for you, Greg, and your family every day. And if you're one of those people, from the bottom of my heart, let me say thank you so much for that. But I have to be honest with you, knowing Christ is interceding for me even means more. There's an old commentator from days gone by. His name is Robert Murray McShane. And he made this statement, and I quote, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me, end quote. I mean, think about that. Christ himself praying for me for you. I remember once talking with Billy Graham and I I said, Billy, would you pray for me? And he prayed for me right there and I thought, oh man, this prayer is going to be heard in heaven. This is Billy Graham praying it. Hey, I'm talking about Jesus himself praying for you. Because over in Romans 8.34 we read these words. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that was raised to life is at the right hand of God. Listen. He's interceding for us. So who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Yes, he was praying for Peter, and he's interceding for you as well. And Jesus is saying, you'll be back, Peter. In Luke 22, 32, Jesus says that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, you'll strengthen your brothers. And Peter understood that. And actually wrote about it in his own epistle, 1 Peter 5.10. He said, after you've suffered a little while, God will restore you and strengthen you and place you on a firm foundation. So Peter could speak from experience. He had suffered, he had fallen, and he had experienced restoration. Why was the devil targeting Peter in particular? Well, I think it's because the devil also saw Peter's potential. He could see that he was first among the apostles. And when Peter said he was gonna do something, they would all usually follow. He was sort of the leader. The devil often targets leaders. That's why you need to pray for those who are in leadership. Maybe you feel like you've been being tempted a lot and attacked a lot by the devil. Maybe that's because he sees your potential as well, so wear it as a badge of honor. Now there are five steps that led Peter down to his denial of Christ. Here's step number one, if you're taking notes. His first step down was self-confidence. Self-confidence. Go back to Mark 14, verse 29. Peter said to Jesus, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And this is after the Lord revealed that Judas would betray him. So Peter's effectively saying, hey, even if Judas betrays you, I'll, I'll never let you down. And he's almost boasting at the expense of others, even if these others fall short. I, remember you gave me that new name, Rock? I, Rocky, will never let you down. You know, it's never a good thing to boast of your commitment to Christ, especially at the expense of someone else. It's never even a good idea to boast about how much you love Jesus rather boast about how much he loves you. Our love is fickle, it's often changing. God's love for us is consistent. I love how the apostle John described himself as the apostle whom Jesus loved. Now that may almost sound arrogant. What do you mean the apostle that Jesus loved? He's just stating the facts. He loved me. I feel loved by Jesus. And we can call ourselves a disciple that Jesus loves as well. So as first step down again was self confidence in saying these words that I'll never deny you after Christ said he would was actually placing unfounded confidence in himself and it was also directly contradicting what Jesus said listen Jesus said to Peter you will deny me when Jesus says something will happen you can take it to the bank if the bible tells us something is going to happen in the future trust me it's going to happen in the future. And, but in Peter's mind, even if everyone else abandoned the Lord, he never would. Look at verse 31 of Mark 14. He says, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. You know, it's an interesting thing. When you look in the Bible, you find that often uh, men and women of God fell in the very area that they normally were strong in. And so as an example, we have Elijah. What do we think of when we think of Elijah? We think of fire, called fire down from heaven. We think of boldness, bravery, standing up there on Mount Carmel, representing God. But what happened after the fire fell on Mount Carmel? There was a contract put out on the prophet's life by Queen Jezebel, and Elijah ran and hid in a cave. So he was cowardly and afraid when he was normally known for his boldness. Abraham. Well, he's the father of faith. When we think of faith, we think of Abraham. Yet he had a serious lapse of faith when he lied about Sarah being his wife, saying she was his sister because he was afraid of what would happen. How about Samson, known for his superhuman strength? He was overthrown in his moral weakness. This is why you must never lower your guard in any area of your life. See, it was self-confidence.
0: important perspective from Pastor Greg Laurie from our studies in Mark 14, looking at second chances in life. Well, next time we'll look further at Peter's denial of Christ and we'll see that he found forgiveness and hope. Pastor Greg will point out the Lord has turned his mess into a message. More on that next time. But before we go today, Pastor Greg is back to close this way.
1: I heard a story about uh, two ducks and a frog. They like to hang out together in a pond in Farmer Brown's field. And uh, one summer, the little pond dried up. So the frog went to the ducks, this is a true story, and said, um, <laughs> guys, you gotta help me out here. I'm stuck here. But, it, but if each of you would take a stick in each of your beaks, I could hold on to the stick with my mouth and you could fly me out of here. So the ducks said, okay, we'll do it. And so they each grabbed hold of that stick with their beaks and the little frog jumped up and grabbed it with his mouth. And as they're flying out of Farmer Brown's field, Farmer Brown's down there and he looks up and he sees this amazing sight of two ducks holding a stick in their beaks with a frog holding on by his mouth. And he said, that is an amazing thing. Who thought of that? And the frog said, I did. So he let go. <laughs> he had to take credit, right? The Bible says pride goes before a fall. This is the day, the day when life begins.
0: Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called A Second Chance in Life. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on one 800 0 5011